Section two of Atala by Francoise Renée de Chateaubriand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Atala, section two, chapter one, the hunters, part one. The destiny which has brought us together, my dear son, is a singular one. I see in you the civilized man become savage. You see in me the wild man whom the great spirit, I know not from what motive, desired to civilize. Having each entered upon the career of life from opposite directions, you came to repose yourself at my place, and I have seated myself in yours, so that we must have acquired a totally different view of things. Which of the twain has gained or lost the more by this change of position? That is known to the genie, the least learned of whom possesses more wisdom than all mankind put together. At the next flower moon, the month of May, there will be seven times ten snows, and three snows more, since my mother brought me into the world on the banks of the Mississippi. The Spaniards had recently established themselves in the Bay of Pensacola, but no European yet inhabited Louisiana. I had scarcely witnessed seventeen falls of the leaves when I marched with my father, the warrior Utalisi, against the Miscogulges, a powerful nation in the Floridas. We united our forces with those of the Spaniards, our allies, and the combat took place upon one of the branches of the Mobile. Arascui, the god of war, and the Manitous were not favorable to us our enemies triumphed my father lost his life i was twice wounded whilst defending him oh why did i not then go down into the land of souls i should have avoided the misfortunes which were awaiting me on earth the spirits ordained otherwise i was dragged along by the defeated crowd to st augustine in that city but then recently built by the Spaniards, I ran the risk of being carried away to the mines of Mexico, when an old Castilian named Lopez, touched by my youth and simplicity, offered me an asylum, and presented me to his sister, with whom he was living spouseless. Both of them took to me in the tenderest manner. I was brought up with much care, and had all sorts of masters given to me. But after having passed thirty moons at St. Augustine, I was afflicted with a disgust for the life of cities. I fell away visibly. Sometimes I remained motionless for hours while contemplating the summits of distant forests. At other times I might be seen seated on the banks of a river, gazing sadly upon the flowing waters. I figured to myself the woods through which these waters had passed, and my soul was thus entirely given up to solitude. No longer able to resist the desire of returning to the desert, I one morning presented myself to Lopez dressed in my savage attire, holding in one hand my bow and arrows, and in the other my European costume, which I returned to my generous protector, at whose feet I fell, shedding a torrent of tears, giving myself odious names, and accusing myself of ingratitude. 
"'After all, oh, my father,' said I to him, "'you see it yourself. I must die if I do not resume the life of the Indian.' Lopez, struck with astonishment, endeavored to change my determination. He spoke of the dangers I was about to encounter by exposing myself to the possibility of falling into the hands of the Muscogulja, but perceiving at last I was resolved to risk everything, he melted into tears, and pressing me in his arms with affection, Go, said he, child of nature, take back this independence of man of which Lopez did not wish to deprive you. If I were myself younger, I would accompany you to the desert, where I also have sweet remembrances, and restore you to your mother's arms. When you shall be once again in your forests, think sometimes of the old Spaniard who gave you hospitality, and remember, in order that you may be disposed to love your fellow-creatures, that your first experience of the human heart was altogether in its favor. Lopez finished by a prayer to the God of the Christian, whose religion I refused to embrace, and we separated with much sadness. It was not long before I was punished for my ingratitude. My inexperience caused me to lose myself in the wood, and I was taken by a party of the Muscogulges and Seminoles, as Lopez had predicted. My dress and the feathers ornamenting my head caused me to be recognized as a Natchez. I was enchained, but slightly, on account of my youth. Simicon, the leader of the troop, desired to learn my name. I replied, I am Charles Choctus, son of Utalisi, son of Mescu, who have taken more than a hundred scalps from the heroes of the Muscogulges. Simigon then said, Choctus, son of Utalisi, son of Miscu, rejoice, thou shalt be burnt at the big village. I answered, That is well, and began to chant the song of death. Although a prisoner, I could not refrain during the first few days from admiring my enemies. The Muscogulges, and especially his ally the Seminole, is full of gaiety, love, and contentment. His walk is light, his mien is calm and open, he speaks much and with volubility. His language is harmonious and flowing. Even age does not deprive the sachems of this joyous simplicity. Like the old birds of our forests, they mingle their ancient songs with the fresh notes of their young posterity. The women who accompanied the troop displayed for my youth a tender pity and an amiable curiosity. They questioned me about my mother concerning the earliest days of my life, and they wanted to know whether my cradle of moss had been hung upon the flowering branches of the maple trees, and whether the breezes had rocked me near the nests of the little birds. Then came a thousand other questions as to the state of my heart. They asked me if I had seen a white fawn in my dreams, and whether the trees of the secret valley had advised me to love. I replied with simplicity to the mothers, to the daughters, and to the spouses of the men, saying, You are the graces of the day, and the night loves you like dew. 
man issues from your loins to hang upon your breast and upon your lips you know the magic words that lull every pain so i was told by her who brought me into the world and who will never see me again she told me also that maidens are mysterious flowers met with in solitary places these praises gave much pleasure to the women who overwhelmed me with all sorts of presents and brought me cocoa-nut cream maple-tree sugar saganrite a cake made with indian corn bear hams beaver skins shells with which to ornament myself and moss for my couch they sang and laughed with me and then took to shedding tears at the thought that i was to be burnt one night when the muscogulias had pitched their camp on the outskirt of a forest i was seated near the war-fire with the guard who had charge of me all of a sudden i heard the sound of a dress upon the grass and a female half veiled came and sat down by my side tears were rolling from underneath her eyelids and i saw by the light of the fire that a small golden crucifix shone upon her bosom she was altogether beautiful and i remarked upon her countenance an expression of virtue and passion of irresistible attraction to that she added the most tender graces and extreme sensitiveness united to a profound melancholy breathed in her looks and her smile was heavenly i took her to be the virgin of the last loves the virgin sent to the prisoner of war to enchant his tomb under this impression i said to her stammeringly and with an emotion that did not however proceed from any feeling of fear of the funeral pile o oh, virgin you are worthy of a first love and you are not made for the last the palpitations of a heart that will soon cease to beat would ill respond to the movements of your own how can death and life lie mingled together you would cause me to regret too much the approach of the day let another be happier than myself and may long embraces unite the tender plant to the oak the youthful maiden then said to me i am not the virgin of the last loves are you a christian i replied that i had not betrayed the genie of my cottage at these words the indian made an involuntary movement and said i pity you for being merely a wicked idolater my mother made me a christian my name is atala and i am the daughter of simagan of the golden bracelets the chief of the warriors of this troop we are going to apalachukla where you will be burnt having uttered these words atala rose and took her departure here choctaws was compelled to interrupt his story a crowd of souvenirs rushed into his soul his closed eyes inundated his furrowed cheeks with tears just as two springs hidden in the profound depths of the earth reveal themselves by the waters they send filtering between the rocks oh my son said he after a long pause you perceive that choctaws is not very wise 
notwithstanding his reputation for wisdom. Alas, my dear child, although men can no longer see, they can still weep. Several days passed. Every evening the old man's daughter came to converse with me. Sleep had fled from my eyes, and Atala was in my heart like the remembrance of the resting place of my father's. On the seventeenth day of our march, about the time when the ephemeron rises from the waters, we entered upon the grand savanna of Alachua. The plain is surrounded with hills, which, receding behind one another, are covered, as they appear to touch the clouds, with ranges of forests, of palm-trees, citron-trees, magnolias, and oaks. The chief uttered the cry of arrival, and the troop encamped at the foot of a hillside. I was left at some distance, on the border of one of those natural wells so famous in the Floridas, attached to the trunk of a tree, and guarded by a warrior who watched me with impatience. I had passed but some moments in this place when Atala appeared beneath the liquid embers of the fountain. "'Hunter,' said she to the Muskogulian hero, "'if you would like to chase the stag, I will guard the prisoner.' The warrior jumped for joy at this offer of the chief's daughter, and at once hurried from the top of the hill, and directed his steps toward the plain. What a strange contradiction is the heart of man! I, who had so much desire to speak of things mysterious to her whom I already loved like the sun, suddenly became troubled and confused, and felt as though I should have preferred to be thrown amongst the crocodiles in the fountain to finding myself alone with Atala. The daughter of the desert was as much affected as her prisoner. We observed a profound silence, for the genie of love had deprived us of speech. After an interval, Atala, making an effort, spoke thus, Warrior, you are held but slightly. You can easily escape. At these words courage returned to my tongue, and I replied, But slightly held, O woman. I could not compete my phrase. Atala hesitated some moments, and then said, Fly! At the same time liberating me from the trunk of the tree. I seized the cord and returned it to the hand of the foreign maiden, forcing her beautiful fingers to close themselves upon my chain. Take it back! Take it back! I cried. You are mad! said Atala, in a voice full of emotion. Wretched man, do you not know that you will be burnt? What do you mean? Do you reflect that I am the daughter of a redoubtable sachem? There was a time, I replied, with tears, when I also was carried about in a beaver skin on the shoulders of a mother. My father also had a fine cottage, and his fawns drank of the waters of a thousand torrents. But now I wander without a country. When I shall have ceased to exist, no friend will place a little grass over my body to keep the insects away from it. The corpse of an unhappy stranger interests no one. 
These words touched Atala. Her tears fell into the fountain. Ah, I continued with vivacity, if your heart spoke like mine, is not the desert free? Do not the forests contain folds in which we could conceal ourselves? And in order to be happy are there so many things necessary for the children of the huts? O oh, maiden more beautiful than the first dream of a spouse, O oh, my well-beloved, dare to follow me! Such was my language. Atala replied to me in a tender tone of voice, My young friend, you have learnt the expressions of the white men. It is easy to deceive an Indian girl. What? I exclaimed. You call me your young friend? Ah, uh, if a poor slave... Well, she said, leaning upon me, a poor slave? I continued with ardor. Let a kiss assure him of your faith. Atala listened to my prayers, as a fawn appears to cling to the flowers of the rosy creepers which it seizes with its delicate tongue on the mountain steeps, so I remained attached to the lips of my well-beloved. Alas, my dear son, pain is in close attendance upon pleasure. Who? could have thought that at the moment in which Atala gave me the first token of her love should be precisely that in which she would destroy all my hopes. White hairs of old Choctus, what was your astonishment when the doctor of the sachem pronounced these words? Beautiful prisoner, I have foolishly given way to your desire. But whither will this passion lead us? My religion separates me from you forever. Oh, my mother, what hast thou done? Atala became suddenly silent, and kept back I know not what fatal secret about to escape from her lips. Her words plunged me into despair. Well, then, I exclaimed, I will be as cruel as you. I will not escape. You shall see me in the flame of fire. You shall hear the groans of my flesh, and you will be full of joy. Atala took my hands between both of hers. Poor young idolater, she cried, I really grieve for you. You wish me then to weep my whole heart out? What a pity I cannot fly with you. Unhappy was the bosom of my mother, O Atala. Why dost thou not throw thyself to the crocodiles in the fountain? That very moment the crocodiles, at the approach of the setting of the sun, began to make their cries heard. Atala said to me, Let us leave this place. I led away the daughter of Simagan to the foot of the hills, which form gulfs of verdure by advancing their promontories into the savannas. Everything in the desert was splendidly imposing. The stork was screaming upon its nest, the woods resounded with the monotonous song of the quails, the whistling of the parakeets, the lowing of the bisons, and the neighing of the Simonolian cavalry. Our promenade was almost a dumb one. 
I walked by the side of Atala, who was holding the end of the cord, which I had forced her to take back again. Sometimes we shed tears, and sometimes we endeavored to smile. A look, now directed toward the sky, and then toward the earth, an ear listening to the song of the birds, a gesture towards the setting sun, a hand tenderly pressed, a bosom by turns palpitating and tranquil, the names of Choctaw and Atala softly repeated at intervals. O oh, first promenade of love, thy souvenir must be extremely powerful, since after so many years of misfortune it can still stir the heart of old Chaktas. How incomprehensible are mortals when agitated by the passions! I had just abandoned the generous-hearted Lopez, I had just exposed myself to every danger for the sake of liberty, and in one instant the look of a woman had changed my tastes, my resolutions, my thoughts. Forgetful of my country, my mother, my cabin, and the frightful death awaiting me, I had become indifferent to everything that was not Atala. Lacking strength to raise myself to the reason of a man, I had suddenly fallen into a sort of childishness, and far from being able to do anything to extricate myself from threatening misfortune, I almost required someone to provide me with the means of sleep and nourishment. It was therefore in vain that Atala, after our ramble in the savannah, threw herself at my knees and again begged me to leave her. I declared that I would return alone to the camp if she refused to reattach me to the trunk of my tree. She was compelled to comply with my request, hoping to convince me at another time. End of section two, chapter one, The Hunters, part one.